So we've been going through a sermon series, or we are going through a sermon series discussing our vision statement and mission statements. Uh, we'll be reading those later in the service just to remind us and continually get us thinking about what those look like. Um, I was at Presbytery yesterday and they showed a few of the churches in our Presbytery on a slide presentation and each church that they showed uh, showed their mission statement um, and pictures of the church themselves. And as I kind of read through the different mission statements, we have a really good mission statement. Not to say ours is better than theirs, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel really good about ours. It's very specific, it's very understandable, it's something that we can ascribe to. So um, last week we talked about the opening phrase of that mission statement, celebrating that which unifies us. And we talked about some of the things that unify us. What were some of the things you remember that we talked about last week of what unifies us? Worship, yes. Singing, okay, yeah. Prayer, good. Scripture, yeah. So our beliefs, right, our doctrines, our theology, that is one of the main things. Okay, I'm still waiting for the faith in... God, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that's the easy one. You guys should get that right away. When the pastor asks a question, it's almost always Jesus is the answer. Okay. So, um, yeah, go with that. <laughs> so, last week we focused, about, focused on what unifies us. Um, the second half of that phrase, celebrating that which unifies us and that which makes us unique. So what are some of the things that you can think of that make us unique? Location. But I mean as individuals, not as our church, but as individuals within the body of Christ. What makes us unique? What makes me unique? What makes you unique? What makes other members of the church unique? Heritage. Absolutely. Heritage. Yes. The things we like to do, yeah. Not everybody likes to do the same thing, right? Skills and talents, absolutely. Yeah, ages, right? Intergenerational, so generations, yeah. Good. And some of these are kind of blend into each other. I mean, certain generations like to do certain things, and the rest of us are too old, can't do them anymore, so... Like somebody said, hey, you want to go surfing? And I was like, maybe I'm a little too old for that now. Okay. Other things? Okay. Yeah. Right. What brought us to this place and this time? Good. So I'll get to that in my, in my text here. Yeah, good. Some really good things. Lots of different things kind of separate us that make us unique, and we want to celebrate that. We, we don't want to go, oh, you're different, so you don't belong here. I had a friend who was a pastor, and he really liked this new church plant. Uh, I won't mention what city, Newport Beach, but um, he really liked this church, and so he went and he said, hey, do you, can I help work with you guys? And, and I've told this story before, I'm sure, but um, the pastor there said, well, you're kind of not really hip enough to work on staff here. And he was kind of like, okay. <laughs> okay. 
So, um, yeah, so, so what are some of the things that make us unique? I came up with a list because I've been thinking about it for a long time. So first, ethnicities. So our ethnicities make us unique. And that's one reason I mentioned, uh, or we read from Isaiah, because Jesus quotes from Isaiah when he says, they shall come from east and from west and from north and from south and sit at the table. So he's actually going back to Isaiah. Isaiah said it 400 years before Jesus. Um, in my studies, I interviewed different pastors, and I interviewed one young man, um, incredibly articulate, African-American. Um, I was like, Caleb, if you get a church in my neighborhood, I'm going to your church. I'm sorry, but you are, he's just amazing. And one of his comments was, if the church um, shuts any ethnicity out, we all represent God's created image. So the more differences and uniqueness we have within the body of Christ, the more we exhibit God's incredible diversity. The image of God implanted in each human being, if we all look the same, limits the image of God in the body of Christ. It's like we've cut an arm off or something. And so um, I just love that. I'm, I'm, I hold that to myself. Another area uh, that makes us unique is cultures. Now you might say, well, you just said that, ethnicities. Ethnicity and culture are two different things. I know very white people that are, well, they're culturally different from me. So um, now here's an interesting thing. The US uh, census, somebody brought this up to me, a, a man who was Guatemalan um, this past week. He said, in the US census, they ask, what ethnicity you are, and they only have five allowed responses. Number one, white. Number two, black or South, um, African American. Number three, American Indian or Alaska Native, so an indigenous person. Number four, Asian. Number five, Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander. What's missing? Hispanics, there is no Latino in there. You're one or the other. So, um, so he actually asked the census person, what should I say I am? He goes, well, I th you look pretty white to me. And he's like, well, I'm kind of brown. <laughs> so, um, so ethnicity is one thing. And that's, I wanted to point out that there's ethnicity is one thing, but culture is another thing. Because if you talk to Latinos, uh, you'll find people that are white, you'll find people that are brown, you'll find people that are black, and they're all Hispanics, right? They fit within all kinds of areas. Um, in fact, when my girlfriend Sophia was here, we went to the Asian Fellowship, and poor Leo thought I was bringing an Asian to the group, and he looked at her and goes, hmm. And by the way, she's from Colombia. And he looked at her and goes, are you Filipino? Because <laughs> she kind of looks. She's Caribbean, so that's part of it. So, um, but culture maybe is different from ethnicity. And our culture is, has to do with maybe how we dress, the kind of music we like, um, the art that we enjoy, all kinds of different things. That's more culture. Um, and then traditions is an area that 
nobody mentioned. But we all come from different traditions, right? Um, whether they're political traditions or family traditions or church traditions or all these different things. I was talking to a different pastor this, earlier this week who went to be a consultant to a Hispanic ministry in Los Angeles, and the, and the ministry was dying. And so he was, he's from Mexico, and he was saying, hey, what, well, what if you did this? What if you did this? What if you did this? And one of the suggestions he made was, why don't we do a posada at Christmas time during Advent? And they said, no. Posada is Roman Catholic. And he said, really? I mean, I know the Catholics do it, but do they have a monopoly on that? Can, is there anything that, in the Bible that says we can't do a posada? No, it's Roman Catholic. You see, it was a tradition, and he kept saying, well, but is it immoral? Is it, <laughs> is it heretical? Are we doing something that's against God's will? It's just kind of a moving play in the village, and you go from house to house singing, will you let me in, will you let me in, and everybody says, no, no, Mary and Joseph, we're not going to let you in, and then you finally get to the last house, which is the inn, and they finally let you in, and it's it's a good reminder of what Mary and Joseph went through. And he said, why don't we do that? We'll go through the streets around the church and we'll end up at the church and we'll have a banquet and people will come with us. No, it's Roman Catholic. We can't do that. So recognizing and celebrating our uniqueness in our traditions and saying, well, why can't we adapt that tradition into our tradition? Because it's, it's good, it's beneficial. It helps us celebrate who God is. Now, this comes to an, another interesting area, what, what I call secondary doctrines. Actually, I'm not the only one that calls it that. Most um, theologians have this idea of primary doctrines versus secondary doctrines. Our primary doctrines unite us. They unify us. Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. Uh, we come to salvation through faith, uh, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, those sorts of things. The we believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those are primary doctrines. Those are things we don't fudge on. We don't say, oh, yeah, well, if you believe something else, it's okay. No. If you want to be a member of the church, you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That is not something that we waver on. That's what we would call a primary doctrine. Secondary doctrines. Do we pour or do we immerse for baptism? That's a secondary doctrine. We can argue about that. We can get into, what do you used to call it? Bull sessions, uh, where you lock horns and you... Uh, we can bring up scripture and argue about it, but we can be in the same church and have different opinions on those things. Um, what are some of the... Uh, baptism, whether we use grape juice or wine. That's something that we can agree to disagree on. Uh, we make our decisions based on personal preferences, what kind of bread do we use? Again, secondary doctrines. Um, so those are the sorts of things that we can celebrate our differences without saying, oh, you have to think the same exact way I do. Which brings us to another attitude is convictions. We can have different convictions. We can have unique convictions. In fact, uh, as the French say, uh, if you have 10 French people, you have 100 different political opinions. Um, so we can have different opinions, and I oftentimes say I serve a purple church. I have people that are way over here on the uh, right, wait, that's your left, on the left, 
and way over here on the right, and uh, the spectrum in between, uh, red states, blue states. Would all the red state people stand? No, I won't do that. Um, uh, so we have the spectrum of political convictions, and that's okay. I think we celebrate that which makes us unique, and we can have discussions and debates about that, um, and our convictions, and our opinions about social policies and taxes and those sorts of things. We can have different opinions on that, and it's okay. In fact, one of the primary uh, things that I love about the Presbyterian Church USA is that we believe that God alone is Lord of the conscience. We do not tell anyone else that what they have to think. We try to talk about how to think and how to process things, but we don't say, you must believe this way or you're out. Primary doctrines, yes, but not these secondary things. And for that reason, we do what we call, we protect the minority voice. In fact, the minority voice, oftentimes when uh, they disagree with a vote, they will write a report, right? And that is called the minority report. And in fact, when this church back in the 50s or so was talking about moving, they voted to move to the suburbs. Many of you know this history, this story of this church. They voted to move because everybody else was moving and everybody else was flourishing out in the suburbs and that's where everybody was moving to. And the dynamics in the uh, uh, area in downtown was changing so much. And then the minority who voted against moving, wrote a report. And that report was read in session. And they said, you know, we believe that we should stay downtown so that the presence of Christ will be here. We should be a pillar of light to downtown Santa Ana. And the session re-voted. And here we are. We're still here. The minority then became the majority. I love that the Presbyterian Church protects the minority voice. So that is how we celebrate our uniqueness. We don't say, well, if you don't believe that way, you can just, here, there's the door, don't let the door hit you. Yeah, you know the rest. Um, okay, so that's another. Nobody brought this up, I'm a little surprised. Male, female. There are men and women in this church. Thanks be to God. Right? And we just sang a song. And every time I look at this song, um, Shout to the North, and the opening line, Men of Faith, and I go, oh, no, this is a male song. And then we get to the second verse, Rise Up Women, and I'm like, oh, good, thank God. Okay. <laughs> we get a little bit of both. All right. Um, so uh, male and female is very important. And I know in our current culture, the lines are getting blurred a little bit. But um, when I grew up, there was very specific lines, and in fact, uh, books were written you know, men, how many people remember? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah. And there's uh, comedians made jokes about the differences between men and women. And I'm pretty sure that um, comedy is going to go away in about 10 years because pretty much any joke offends somebody. So um, it's just going to, unless you make fun of yourself. And so I'll stick to that. Um, so male and female is something that makes us, each person, unique. And we need both. We need men and women to give input to all kinds of ministry and uh, worship and everything. Ages, somebody mentioned ages, so generations. Oh my goodness, ages are very unique, are they not? Uh, little kids, Clayton came into my office this morning. Good morning, sir. 
How old is he now? Three. Uh, and we had a very delightful conversation about what he had for breakfast in the back of the car coming here. It was, um, and I thank God for Clayton because he made my morning. Um, and, and then I have conversations with older members, and I love having those conversations. Older members bring history, and they bring stories, and everybody has a story to share, right? Um, so every age has value in the body of Christ. And then we have social economic. We didn't really, nobody really mentioned that. Um, we have people who have lots of money, and we have people who have very little money, and everything in between, and that makes us unique as well. And the great thing about the church is the wealthiest person is in as much need of grace as the poorest person. We all are in desperate need of God's grace through Jesus Christ. So um, that's what makes church a beautiful thing. And then Paul in Romans talks about spiritual gifts. That's what we just read, uh, Andrea read a few moments ago. Let no one think more importantly than they ought to think, and then goes into everybody has different spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, not just talents, but spiritual gifts. Gifts of preaching, gift, gifts of teaching, gifts of giving. Some people have a gift to uh, give financial support. Some people have a gift of encouragement. Some people have a gift of faith. And everybody should be celebrating their gifts. They should recognize how God has gifted them and enjoy how God has gifted them. Other areas is talent. Somebody else mentioned that. Um, and we all have different talents. We have different abilities. Some people do things very well. You know, when Gene Wasson was here, what was his talent? Woodworking. Oh, my goodness. We went out and did home communion this past week, and we took the box that Gene Wasson made, and it was just kind of cool to have that box once again. And, and we almost always mention his name. Uh, for those of you that are newer members, he was a member here for many years. We called him the Colonel because he was a Marine, and, um, and he loved to do woodworking. And, you know, the kids would come up, and every once in a while, Peter would lose his finger in the communion table, and Gene would, ah, I've got to fix the, and he'd fix it. So um, that was his talent. Different people have different talents. I got to tell you, I almost started crying a couple weeks ago when the sanctuary, the, the men's quintet was singing Precious Lord, Take My Hand, and all of a sudden David Springfield starts singing the solo on the second verse, and part of me was just, oh, this is great. He's celebrating his talent. We're celebrating his uniqueness. And I was okay. I was doing okay. But then I looked out at y'all. And you're all like, <laughs> you y'all just love that. You, you were seeing a brother um, celebrating his talent. And, um, and that meant the world to me. And now Tom has come and said, hey, David Roman has arranged uh, a choral piece. Do you mind if we do it? Well, absolutely. So we're celebrating people's talents, what, that which makes them unique. Um, we have different tastes, and we, we mentioned that earlier. Somebody else mentioned that uh, earlier, and I always say that you can't argue taste. You just can't. Some people like certain things, and that's okay. You can't force somebody to eat something they don't like. When I was in Colombia, I was offered ants. No, I wasn't offered ants yet, but they're threatening to take me to eat ants because that's supposedly a delicacy. I said, great, because in 
Irvine, you have plenty. Um, <laughs> and then styles. People have different styles. I remember growing up in church, and you had to wear a certain kind of clothes. And now we're a little bit away from that, right? And, and what's difficult is when we get stuck in our past and we say, well, I was raised that you had to wear this certain style of clothing, and those people need to change, and that's not what celebrating our uniqueness is. Celebrating our uniqueness says, oh, okay, they can wear that, and you can wear that, and I can, I'm comfortable in this, and, and we just celebrate that. Differences of clothing, oh my goodness, you think that's going to be a question at the gates of heaven? What, what did you wear to church? I don't think St. Peter's going to ask that. Um, dreams. We all have different dreams, different hopes. Um, our guest speaker at Presbytery yesterday is an expert in millennials. Um, and so he actually quoted from the book that we discussed this past summer quite a bit uh, because Presbyterian pastors are always looking to reach out to the next generation. And so he was there to talk about that. And one of the things he talked about was dreams, how important those are to young people, what they are looking forward to, what they are longing for. So, and different people have different dreams, and we can celebrate that. But we need to ask, so what are your dreams? What are you hoping for? What, do you, what would you like to see of your life? Another area is personality types. Personality types. Different people are different, right? How often have you walked away from a person and said, well, they're different? <laughs> right? And that's okay. We celebrate those differences. In fact, I had a youth uh, leader one time who said, I'm, I'm talking to this guy about being a volunteer with the youth group, but he's really quiet. He's not really outgoing. He's not really hyper. And we have this idea that all youth leaders have to be like, <laughs> you know, like after three Red Bulls or something. And um, I said, well, that's okay. He can be quiet because you know who he'll relate to? The quiet kids. Exactly right. And that's exactly what happened. There were certain kids that kind of would hang out in the back, and he'd go back and go, and they would, and then all of a sudden they'd get talking, and he related to them. And it helped them to see that it was okay to be that way in the church. So we're celebrating our uniqueness. Um, I almost didn't put this one in. Intelligence. Different people have different levels of intelligence. Um, what's interesting is one of the sweetest women I know um, would be rated really low on the IQ level, but she is a gift to her church. I will tell you that right now. In fact, the Iroquois Indians, um, they have a special word for uh, people who have Down syndrome, um, and the word, and I forget what the word is, but the word actually means um, close to God, because people with Down syndrome have no filters. They just love. They love on you big time, and so the Iroquois, rather than saying, oh, they're less than the rest of us. The Iroquois say, they're closer to God than the rest of us. The rest of us are all mucked down in the earth, but they're just loving, loving, loving. I love Brendan Manning said that he went to, Brendan Manning's an author and uh, former Roman Catholic priest. He said he went to do a retreat in Amish country, and he went to visit a house, and um, one of the boys at the house was, had Down syndrome. And so he got out of the car, 
and the door opened, and this boy with Down syndrome comes running out, wraps up, he never met the boy before, wraps him up and kisses him full on the lips. <laughs> and Brandon was just like, I mean, this guy just had love. So, so sometimes when people get a little, uh, I have this degree and that degree, they can get a little snooty about it. But we celebrate all the differences, different levels. And in fact, there's different types of intelligence, right? Harvard has described, there's a Harvard professor who wrote a book called, what was it? Frames of Mind. And he said there's nine different areas of intelligence. Um, there's the book smart, there's the nature smart, there's the life smart, there's the people smart, people that interact well with other people. There's the kinesiology smart, the body smart. Um, Michael Jordan would be considered a genius um, in that area, right? So, so we have to celebrate that as well. Different people have different gifts and intelligence. And then stories, that's kind of what Carol was mentioning of, of what brought you to this place. What, what, what's your story? We all have different stories. We all have unique stories. And each single person in this place has a different story. And what brought you to this place? What's your family background? What's the story? What's your story of loss, of pain? What's your story of joy? So here's one of the challenges when we say celebrating that which unifies us and that which makes us unique that unify sometimes becomes a manipulate, uh, ma manipulation. We want to be so unified that we require people to be a certain way and say a certain thing and do a certain thing and act a certain way. That's really uniformity, uh, where we all kind of wear a uniform. Uh, I don't want to downgrade anybody, but that's why Scientology kind of gives me the creeps, because they all have to wear a uniform. They have to wear a specific outfit, um, and they kind of look like they're Star Trek or something. So um, demanding uniformity or demanding loyalty above integrity is a slippery slope, uh, and it's not what we do here. Rather, we say we're unified, and we celebrate our uniqueness. Listen to this quote from the Confession of Belhar, 1982. Confession of Belhar was written by... Um, South African uh, black people who were suffering under apartheid, and they were talking about the importance of unity and the importance of diversity. And this was one of the lines from the Belhar Confession. We believe that this unity cannot, can be established only in freedom and not under constraint. That the variety of spiritual gifts, opportunities, backgrounds, as well as various languages and cultures are by virtue of the reconciliation in Christ opportunities for mutual service and enrichment within one visible people of God. I love that, that our diversity is displayed as one people of God. So our mission statement says, celebrating that which makes us unique I'm sorry, that which unifies us and that which makes us unique. Does that sound familiar at all? I mean, I know I've been saying it a lot lately, but it's kind of what I say on communion when we have communion by distribution, right? Hold the bread until we can all take it together, celebrating our unity in Jesus Christ. And then you send out the cup, and, you, and I say, 
take the cup whenever you're ready to do so, celebrating our individuality within the body of Christ. I may change that to uniqueness in Jesus Christ.